Welcome to A Servant's Heartbeat. My name is Kristen. Thank you so much for listening and allowing myself as well as others that are here with me on the podcast to share our heartbeat with you. So our pastor is here with us, and I'm going to let him introduce our guest for this episode. Well, thank you. We're so glad to have with us today, Brother Kagan Petrie from LeBlanc, Louisiana. Yes, sir. We're glad that you're here today with us in Nacogdoches, Texas. And he preached for us yesterday, both services, tremendous, tremendous word of the Lord, tremendous services. Brother Petrie, welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. Yesterday, uh, several times in your morning message, you gave portions of your testimony and what your love for the truth and what God has done for you. In a court of law, one of the greatest, greatest pieces that will prove a case is a testimony. Testimony brings evidence, needed information, and very valuable things to the court setting. And we want you to just kindly today give us your testimony and how that you came to know this great God. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, when I start off, I was raised Catholic and um, very devout Catholic. All my catechism classes, I loved the religion that I was part of. And uh, I had and I have an aunt and uncle, the only two apostolics in the family. And uh, when I was about 14, uh, we landed on some hard times and had to move out of the house because we never could afford water and electricity. And uh, we have some rich people in our family, and they didn't open the door for us. We have some good people in our family that didn't open the door for us, but that uh, one couple opened up the door and invited us to go live with them until we could afford to pay the electric bill and get back into our house. And while living with them, they began to teach the Word of God to me in a way I hadn't heard. Uh, Like I said, I'd always loved who I thought was God. I loved the religion I was part of. I was very devout in it, but um, something about what they would tell me made a lot of sense. And so I got into the truth when I was about 15, received, well, I got baptized in Jesus' name when I was 16, and received the Holy Ghost a few months later at 17. Uh, 18 years old, I did backslide for a couple months, but uh, God dealt with me in a very major way. It caught my attention and brought me back, and since then I've been headset, um, face forward, living for God not worrying about anything else. So that's kind of just a basis of my testimony, a little bit what God's done for me. So amazing. It's amazing what truth does to a life. Yeah. And looking at your life, what do you feel was the awakening factor to the truth, the proving element to get your heart and your eyes open to God? Well, there's a lot. Uh, Probably the... uh, the truth and the sincerity of the church, I'd say. Uh, there was a lot of people within the church, not just the church I went to, but the um, the church as a whole were willing to show me attention and love that uh, at the time I needed because I had a lot of people in my life that showed a falsehood of attention and a falsehood of love and never really backed it up, but I felt a, a family in church that stuck out to me. I remember the last time I'd went to the Catholic Church, I'd walked in 
and uh, we did not have the greatest reputations because of um, the way the home life was. Both parents had gotten arrested at one point, and um, dad several times, and we walked into the church, and I just remember the people looking at us and feeling unwanted and out of place, and I remember turning to my cousin and telling him, and this will be the last time we ever step foot into this church. And just a few minutes later, we actually got up and walked out. And that it didn't take long after that till I stepped foot into an apostolic church. And it was a completely different story. Uh, we felt loved and welcomed. Um, they were encouraging. They were always a blessing, always wanting, wanting us around and um, treating me good and, and just being good people the way um, I had always envisioned Christ to be. They represented him very well. That is wonderful. Who do you feel that was instrumental in that moment uh, that really reached to you and helped you to disciple you? My pastor. He, um, we hit it off in a place I played. I grew up loving the guitar and loving music, and he is also a music man. And so he picked up that I loved music and we'd sit down, he'd teach me things about music theory and whatnot. And he'd take me places. And, um, every time they'd go out to eat after service, he'd always invite me. And I remember one time I kept wearing the same stuff to church over and over. We couldn't afford clothing. He brought me, I think we went to Alexandria and he brought me clothes shopping and bought me a bunch of clothes and, um, just always willing to spend time with me. And like you said, disciple me. So that was probably the biggest, the biggest um, person in that process. And who is your pastor, brother? Alfred Gibson. Today, if if you could say anything to anybody else about attaching and looking to the ministry, maybe somebody that will listen, what means of encouragement would you give to that individual about the truth and about that leadership? Yeah, just about, uh, I would probably tell them to stick to their pastor despite um, disagreeances, uh, because I remember several times uh, when he did not spare the right of correction, how I thought in my mind that he could be wrong and I could be right, but um, the times that I rebelled versus the times that I listened, uh, it was quite evident who was right and wrong in those situations. And I would say just trust the man of God and know that he's in contact and on the wall and can see far beyond what we can see. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Truth is a beautiful thing that begins to deliver people and set them free. Yesterday, many times you made references to loving the truth mm -hmm. and stepping over into that place where the truth matters above everything else. And that loyalty to God through that commitment, that covenant that you made as a young man, just share with us about maybe just reiterate, reiterate what you said yesterday about that love for the truth and your love for the truth. Okay. When I was a kid, uh, I hear stories now from family members that I'd always been attracted to the Bible. Uh, if there was a Bible around, I was trying to grab it as a toddler and walk around with it. And um, over, there could be several books, but I'd reach for the Bible for some reason. And um, the love for the truth, even when I didn't know it, it was there for what I thought it was. I always respected the Bible. 
always respected religious type books. And um, I remember when I, when God was dealing with me and pulling on my heart, I was still devout Catholic, but the Bible I had was a revised Catholic version of the Ignatius Bible. And I remember taking that Bible and uh, I literally got aggravated one day and threw it across the room. And I told God, I said, I don't want just any book. I want your word. It's untouched and unrevised by man. And so he began to deal with me, and then um, that's when I started going to the apostolic church. And uh, I went to my pew one day, and there was a Bible sitting there with my name on it, and it was a King James Version. And I remember since that point, I wanted that Bible with me everywhere I went. And I set a standard. I was say I was probably 17 when I set the standard that I wouldn't go anywhere without my Bible. Um, that meant going from one vehicle to another vehicle. My Bible was coming with me. That meant um, anywhere I could have it, airports, whatever else, I was going to have my Bible with me. And now it is. Uh, if it wasn't the Bible, it would be an idol in a way because I, I pray with it. Like I said in service yesterday, I, there's times I grab it, hold it close to my heart, and squeeze it tight and just act as if I'm holding Jesus himself. Uh, I cry in it. Um, I, I do everything with my Bible just because that is the physical representation aside from the church of of Christ. And I want, I want to show God that I respect his word. I don't set a cell phone on top of it. I won't put a paper on top of it, not another religious book. And it's kind of a representation, a symbol, that the Bible is held higher than any other thing in my life. I won't cover it up with a blanket, a coat, or anything. It, 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 the Bible's close by to me. It's going to be in the open where it can be seen. and um, It's even to the point to where I try to have a Bible in every single room of the house. I collect Bibles, so there's several in some rooms and just a few in others. But um, God showed me the grace and mercy to put a love in my heart for the Bible itself, and that has caused me not to want to twist it, um, take out of it, add to it, just take it for what it is and apply it. And I'm uh, thankful for that. So wonderful. Just recently, someone attended a church that was a Muslim. They came to the church and they asked the person there, said, why is it that you're putting your holy book on the floor? This particular church had chairs and so when people would sit down, they would move their Bible and stick it underneath the chair. And this person that came was amazed. And he was questioning, why are you taking that holy book and putting it on the floor if it's holy to you? And from that point, it began to raise awareness. And that particular church was our church. And it's only just maybe a month ago. And it, it brought an awareness to people in the church that this is something that we need to take care of. And again, yesterday you mentioned it and about not putting anything on that Bible. That Bible's our best friend. And we've heard it preached before. I think Brother Ron Garrett, he talked about his Bible being his best friend, similar to what you're talking about, how important it is to keep the Word of God the Word of God. You know, and the love for the truth. Our love for the truth is amazing. Brother, I'm so thankful today that there are people like you that has come to the treasure 
and we're willing to sell out to buy into this treasure. To, to say, God, it doesn't matter. I want the truth. I want this treasure. You know, if there's something today that you could tell somebody that's going to listen to this about loving the truth, buying the truth and selling it not, somebody's at a crossroad today that's going to listen to this. And if you were the last warning voice, the voice that gives the last warning, what would you be able to tell them today? I would tell them that um, the only hope for each life is that word. Um, you heard some of my testimony, and I said it yesterday, that uh, I've had a lot of people try to help me before I came to this, but the word of God was the only thing that helped and stuck with me. And every time I strayed away from that word, it, it, um, it affected my life in a, in, a, in a horrifying way. And so if I was to talk to somebody, I would tell them that um, if they could, take the Bible. And um, a lot of times when people are facing stuff, it's a spirit that's came into their life, and they are unable to claim dominion over it. I would just start reading that word every day if it's just a chapter, two chapters, whatever they can manage. Um, and let that word claim dominion in their life until they feel the the point to where they are set free from whatever is bounding them. Um, it's gotten to the point to where I've gone through my house at times battling things, and I've just read the Bible out loud, and within time it began to claim dominion and set up its own throne in my house to where there can be spiritual freedom in, with, with Christ and uh, you know, just to take that word, accept it for what it is, don't muzzle it, and just let it work in your life. Um, us trying to put our own twist to it takes the power from it. And just taking it for what it is, reading it, studying it, praying with it, and uh, like we said, letting it become your best friend, you will see with just a little bit of time that um, that word will begin to shape you and mold you into something better. It's beautiful. I, I mentioned many times at the church when I talk about the Bible, the Bible's going to be right nine times out of nine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and there's no other option. Mm -mm. This is the way, the truth, and the life. And the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O God. The grass will wither, the flower will fade. The word of God's going to stand forever. That's right. And so in closing today, any, anything else that you feel that you it's on your heart today that maybe you can help somebody else or value that you want to just just present? Any evidence? Any evidence? Well, I can say it worked for me when none else would work. Um, and just one more thing with it being an everlasting thing. Um, the Bible's going to stand forever, and we're not going to be judged based off of our peers' opinions. Um, our parents' opinions, our, our kids' opinions, whatever whatever else in your life, but we're going to be judged out of that everlasting Word of God. And when everything else is going away, everything we've traded the Bible for, that Word's still going to be there. So to sell out to anything, the Bible would be the best thing to sell out to. Yeah. 